Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 21. 1 Chronicles 21. The story is about 16 verses that I would like to read to you. I might read a little less because of time. It's somewhat of a familiar story, but then again, it's a little obscure to some. I've entitled the message this morning, In My Prosperity, I Said. In My Prosperity, I Said. That quote is from the book of Psalms. In the book of Psalms, chapter 30, it is a companion passage to 1 Chronicles. It is a psalm that was written by David. Um, and so I pulled a, a, a phrase from that chapter in, in verse number, uh, I believe, six in that chapter where David said those words. There's also in the Bible, as you know, 1 Chronicles and 2 Samuel have companion stories. Uh, I've chosen the story from, I won't read them both, but I've chosen the story from uh, Chronicles this morning. There is a couple of statements that are uh, unique to each one that I, I may throw in there as well from uh, 1 Samuel. I'm looking at 1 Chronicles chapter 21. And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. Think about that. Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. And David said to Joab and to the rulers of the people, go number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan and bring the number of them to me that I may know it. And Joab answered, the Lord make his people an hundred times so many more than they be. But my Lord the King, are they not in all my Lord's servants? Why then doth thy my Lord require this thing? Why will he be a cause of trespass to Israel? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab. Wherefore Joab departed and went throughout all Israel and came to Jerusalem. And Joab gave the sum of the number of the people unto David, and all they of Israel were a thousand, thousand million, and 500,000 men that drew the sword. And Judah was 400, threescore, and 10,000 men that drew the sword. The total of that is 570,000 men that drew the sword, a million people. But Levi and Benjamin, verse 6, counted he not among them, for the king's word was abominable to Joab. And God was displeased with this thing, therefore he smote Israel. And David said unto God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing, but now I beseech thee, do away with the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. And the Lord spake unto Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them, that I may do it unto thee. Talking about punishment here. So Gad came to David and said to him, Thus saith the Lord, Choose thee either three years famine or three months to be destroyed before thy foes, while that the sword of thine enemies overtake thee, or else three days the sword of the Lord. 
even the pestilence in the land and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the coast of Israel. Now therefore advise thyself what word I shall bring again to him that sent me. And David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let me fall now into the hand of the Lord, for very great are his mercies. But let me not fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent pestilence unto Israel, and there fell of Israel 70,000 men. Heavenly Father, bless now this message, please, to thy honor and glory. As we see a mistake, a sin that David committed, Father, in a moment of pride. I pray you to apply it to us in our lives. And Father, into the ministry going forward, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In Samuel 24, verse 1, it says this. Verse 1 of this, it says, And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number the people. But 2 Samuel 24, in the exact same story, it says this, And again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he moved David against them to say, Go number the uh, Israel and Judah. We have two things going on. We have God Almighty that provokes Satan, but it also says in Samuel that God himself was very provoked to the point his anger was kindled against them. And he said he even provoked David himself to number the people. Why was that? Because the nation had grown so prideful and corrupt because of good times. The message this morning is, in my prosperity, I said. The exact verse finish is this, I shall never be moved. David spoke those words. He was in good times and prosperous times and he so desired to number the people and find out how many people were there and how many soldiers that he had. We can look at that and we clearly can tell that this did not please the Lord, angered the Lord, and was a serious violation. Joab said it to him something like this, David, why would we number the people? We're like a hundred to one against them. You wonder what that meant? You'll find in other passages of the Bible that when they went to war against the enemies, one man was like a hundred. Why? Because they had the power of God. And so Joab, being the captain of the host, in other words, the general of all the armies, the captain of the host, the Bible called him, Joab knew this. Joab knew that when they went to battle, they were so feared and powerful. Why? Because when they went to battle, it didn't matter how many the enemy had. God would multiply them, not by numbers, but by power. David's mighty men, it just, you realize when, when uh, David fought Goliath, do you remember how that happened? David arrives as a teenage boy. Do you remember what the armies of Israel were doing? They were in fear and trembling because they wanted one man to face Goliath and whoever wins the battle. Uh, if, if we lose the battle, we'll be your servants. If you win the battle, you, uh, you'll be our servants. And so we had this Goliath, this giant, and everybody's in complete fear of Goliath. I mean, they're literally great fear. And they, they literally don't know what to do. We have the teenage boy, all likelihood, a young teenage boy comes in, and he says, well, I'll fight. Of course, it's David. And of course, we know the story. David, with his slingshot, 
kills Goliath, then uh, proceeds to take his head off and uh, with a sword and beheaded him. And uh, of course, the armies of Israel, great rejoicing, and David, a great reputation of a mighty man of valor. What was the difference? Now, all these soldiers, they understand it. They have the power of a God. They didn't understand it then. They saw it in David, but they didn't understand the power of God. But now, all these years have passed. Israel has conquered the land. David is the most powerful king there is. That's why he says what he says. That he is, in my prosperity, said, I shall never be moved. Why? Because their armies were so powerful. Their men were like a hundred men. You, later on in the Old Testament, you find when a giant was uh, available, they were like flipping coins who get to go kill the giant. Like, oh, let me go kill him. Let me go kill him. You know, I, what is it? They knew the power of God was with them. So, I mean, they, they wanted to find a giant. I mean, giants were scarce. But they wanted, they, they wanted that under their belt. They were David's mighty men. And, and these giants had some really interesting names, too. But what, what was the difference? The soldiers of the armies of the Lord knew that the power of God was with them. And so Joab, Joab is, 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 is like a flip of a coin. What side of Joab is going to come up this time? He was really a rare bird. But at any rate, he's a very unpredictable man. But in this instance, oh, Joab had it right. He said, David, don't do this. We're like a hundred to one. Every man's worth a hundred to us with the power of God. We don't need to know how many men we have. It doesn't matter. Because we go into a battle with the power of God. We, this, this thing will displease the Lord. The Lord has always been with us, in other words. And so we find Joab cannot convince him. Of course, he proceeds to do as commanded by the king. Nobody can touch us. We're the most powerful country. And we find this nation of people. David makes this statement and finds out there's somebody that can touch him. The power of God can still have his way in his life and his heart. And Dave. David is smitten and goes to the Lord immediately and realizes he had sinned against the Lord. But he had provoked the Lord. So the Lord offered him three options, as we read in the scriptures. And David chose the sword of the Lord, hoping and praying and saying by statement that the Lord was merciful. And so we have the Lord now as he punishes and we find that 70,000 people are killed, 70,000 men are killed in one day. And the Lord in the Bible changed his mind. He was, going to, he was going to judge for three days. But he saw the people and he judged for one day and it was over. You'll find the story, we may look at it tonight in chapter 30 of Psalms famous verses of the Bible, but we have this great, great punishment that comes from the Lord because of the pride that was in David's heart, in my pride, in my prosperity. It's a very dangerous thing, folks, to get proud. 
When you read the Bible very long and you read it, you'll find something. That there's, there's something that God specifically hates above all things. When you think of David, what's the first sin that comes into your mind? David and Bathsheba. But the thing he did the most that God hated was pride. And I don't think God's ever changed his mind on that. He hates pride. We find it in the book of Proverbs. We find it often in the Bible. We find that he speaks of humility often in the Bible, calling us to humility. Our Savior did not, came, did not come. King of kings and Lord of lords, he came as a simple ser servant. He was not a proud man. He came as a servant, and he laid down his life as the shepherd for the sheep. Three points for you here. Number one, pride removes God from the situation. Pride removes God from a situation you're in. Humility will seek God. It's amazing. We can, we've watched it over years, and you can always see it in people that are very prideful. I, uh, I used to get a little nervous with our previous president because there was a certain level of pridefulness as he would speak that concerned me. The word I was often used. And very, I did appreciate that he did use the name of our God and our Lord more than I think others did. And that was a blessing to us. But the pride concerned me. Why? Because I know God hates it. Bottom line, he hates it. And so we have to be very careful about something that we know that God hates. Pride will remove God from the situation. You got areas in your life that you need to advance and grow in. Don't get, don't get too prideful. Don't get to the point where you're, as the sermon title, in my pride, I said. Be careful. It doesn't please the Lord in any way and actually angers the Lord. Here's a man that loved God with his whole heart. A man after God's own heart. But when he crossed the line of pride, he was punished for it severely. Pride will remove God from the situation. I don't know what's going on in your life today, but may I tell you something? Come, in, come, into, come into it humbly. God hates pride. And you'll never have the power of God. You'll never have God in your life if you're coming anywhere in the ministry filled with pride. It will, it will end your success in the ministry. It will be the thing that will drop you to the bottom. Because God hates it when we're filled with pride and you no longer have the power of God in your life. When we humbly come to God, he responds to that. We would use the phrase, he's a humble servant of God. If you're not humble, you're not the servant of God. You're serving yourself. You're a self-serving person. When you come in pride and arrogance, things that God hates. When I see arrogance come into any life, I can tell you something that's going to happen in that life. And that life is going to be getting to go like this. It may go gradually, but it's coming down. It may be elevated for a span of time. But as a Christian, you're going to watch your life unfold right before your eyes. As you come to God as a believer, filled with pride, you're going to lose the power of God in your life. You're going to use God in the situation you are in if we're filled with pride. If we come humbly to him, he responds to us. Number two, pride shuts the door to counsel or advice. Joab was very, very close to David, actually was 
was related to him. Um, I believe he was a cousin. But Joab was very close to David and, and of course, the captain of the host and it was elevated position. He was a bit unpredictable. I think David put up with it because of the Bathsheba situation. Uh, David had used Joab to have Uriah killed. Well, that kind of takes the legs out from under you as a leader when you've done something like that to your captain of the host. And so I think David was compromised by the Bathsheba situation, and so he put up with a lot from Joab. And that's just my speculation. That's not something I just, I think that he hurt his, hurt his ability to run Joab as he normally would have been able to do or command him after what he did. And of course, try to keep secret by using Joab to have Uriah killed in battle. That being said, though, understand that pride shuts the door to counsel. Joab said, don't do this. Don't do this thing. But what happened? Pride was already there. And when you're filled with pride, counsel is worthless to you. you, you why? Because you're full of yourself. You've got all the answers. You're, you're the smartest guy in the room. You're the smartest woman in the room. And you've got all the answers. And you've got it all together. And everybody else is just these other people who just don't get it. Why? Filled with pride. We've all met them. And we probably all know somebody like that. They're always right. They've always got the answer. And they're filled with pride. Now, there's some people that are really smart. And sometimes they have the right answer. For all of us men, it's our wives. And uh, they're always right. Amen, guys. And even if we don't realize it at the time, we do find out later that, yeah, that probably was right. <laughs> I'm joking, ladies. But, but uh, it's true in my wife's case. She's very, she's a very smart lady. And uh, I lean on her all the time. And I mean that sincerely. But don't be filled with pride. You'll never be able to be helped by anyone when you're filled with pride. A sermon from the Word of God won't touch you if you're filled with pride. Why? Because you don't take any advice. You don't take any preaching. You got it. Arrogant people miss the boat because they never can be helped because they're filled with pride. They have no use for God and they have no use for man. They're filled with pride and they're headed down a road of destruction. That's just the way pride will do you. Number three, number one, pride removes God from the situation. Number two, pride shuts the door to counsel or advice in your life. You won't hear it. You won't believe it. Don't neglect it. Pride is self-serving. Humility serves others. Pride is self-serving. Whenever you get filled with pride, this is why you won't take any advice because you're, only, you're, the, you're the answer to every problem. You've got all the answers. You're filled with pride and you miss the boat because you're spending your life serving yourself, your own selfish desires, your own motivations, your own successes, and your desire to whatever it is that's in your heart, whatever desire may be, it's, you will constantly feed your own self and you will miss the joy of life, of living for others. When you take this pride and arrogance in your life and you just make everything all about you, you will find that your life is on the way down and destruction is in your path because of an arrogant attitude and you will take no instruction, no advice, you have all the answers because you're filled 
with pride. It's self-serving. Humility will serve others. It's a sad thing when people believe that living for others is a life that they want nothing to do with because they have totally missed the joy of life. Even people that have found themselves extremely successful and are very wealthy, they often become very, very generous. And I will stab at this. I think they give a lot of money because it brings them some joy. Because they did not find it in in attaining great wealth. And it didn't bring them any satisfaction. They were still, in some ways, the dissatisfied person that they were. And it didn't matter what they bought. It, 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 brought, it did not bring satisfaction. And, and so we find often that they will give much money to different organizations and charitable contributions or colleges by the millions of dollars. Or they will give great amounts of money and I will tell you, I don't think it's necessarily because they're just great philanthropists. I think they are people who found that when they helped others, they found joy. They spend much of their lives self-serving, perhaps. But they found that, boy, great joy comes when I help other people. Christians, our precious Lord Jesus came for one reason, and that was to serve. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why he came. He was a servant. He literally, the Lord of glory, washes disciples' feet. I don't know about you, but I, I can't recall that I have washed anyone's feet. And I'd appreciate it if you didn't ask me to do it after the service. <laughs> but our Lord did. His disciples. Can you imagine that? King of kings and Lord of lords. Peter says, no, 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 you're not going to wash my feet. And the Lord corrected him for that, didn't he? You're not with me. If I don't, well, let him wash me all over. But he washed all the disciples' feet. Why? Because he came as a servant. He came and he calls us to be servants. We find even in, in the scriptures and the gospels that when... God calls us to leadership. What does he say about that? You're a leader. You're the servant of men. You're not the, you're the minister. You're the servant. You're not, you're not the, the kingpin. You're a servant to people. That's what the call to ministry is. And he called his disciples to ministry. It wasn't a posh life for the disciples. It was a life of servitude. It was the life that our Savior lived from the moment he was born, constantly serving and giving to others. The ultimate sacrifice, the King of kings and Lord of lords lays down his life on a cross of Calvary and dies for your sins and mine. That's a servant of all. There's never been a man or woman alive that's ever not been the recipient of the offer of the gift of God from a holy God who came as our servant, died in our place. If you're filled with pride this morning, you probably will reject him because you got it all together. But if you would humble yourself and you come to God and admit you're a sinner and understand that Jesus Christ came as a servant, the Son of God, lived a sinless life, and he died in your place for your sins. 
And if you would humble yourself and admit to the Lord God that you are indeed a sinner and that you have sinned against God. And if you would admit that in humility to God, he would save you today. Or you can leave here today in your pride. Oh, I'm good enough. I'm good enough. And your good enough will land you in the fires of hell. Whether you're on the internet or in, in person. That's where your pride will take you. Until you humbly come to an almighty God and say, you're the savior, I'm the sinner. Would you save me? He will. And he'll do it every time. But you'll not come to him in your sins, in your pride, and tell the almighty God, almighty God that I'm, I'm good enough the way I am. You'll pay for your own sins if you do that. And I would recommend you don't do it. Humble yourself. Come this morning and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. He came here humbly, lived a life, and then laid down his life willingly for your sins. But you have to humble yourself, recognize who you are, that you are the sinner, and he is the Savior, and you must take that sinner as yours if you're going to ever know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and begin to understand that a full life is a life that is lived for the Lord Jesus Christ living for others.